0: 大家好,我是Lydia,歡迎來到國際聊天室。Hey everyone, I'm Lydia. You're listening to International Talk. 在介紹今天的來賓之前,我想快速宣布一下,我最近開了一個新的YouTube頻道,Lydia's Your Film,之後會陸續發一些旅遊和生活的Vlog,歡迎各位搜尋和訂閱我的新頻道。Before I introduce my guest today, I'd like to announce that I have a new YouTube channel. Lydia your Film, where I'll be posting vlogs for my travels and my life. It would mean so much to me if you could check it out and subscribe. Now back to the show. 搬家对他的影响, Today I had the pleasure of speaking with my friend Kirsten We had a great conversation talking about third culture kids How she dealt with bullying in Switzerland The impact of moving around as a kid And her time on exchange in Beijing So without further ado, let's get started Welcome
1: Kirsten. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi Lydia. Um thanks so much for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here.
0: So let's start with that one question that everyone hates, but we have to ask ask, where are you from? Oh God. <laughs> I really hate that question. Uh, <laughs> everyone does. <laughs> um, like,
1: yeah, like I think it's the one question that every third culture kid like dreads, right? Yeah. Um, Okay, so I am German, like uh, my mum and dad are both German. I was born in Germany and when I was seven we moved to London in the UK where we lived for a year and a half and then we moved to Switzerland to a a tiny village in the countryside um, just on the outskirts of Zurich. And um, where we stayed for a year and a half and then we moved back to London where I finished high school like British equivalent of high school and I went to university there but before I went to university in London I also lived in Berlin for um, for a brief period of time for two years I also lived in Beijing because I studied (laughs) Chinese at university and at some point my my mum and dad were sent to live in Beijing because um, I'm on an expat posting and my mum and dad have also lived in France everywhere really and then so after I graduated I worked as cabin crew like as a flight attendant for British Airways for a few years and then I decided to move to Taiwan and I've been here for almost seven years now which is crazy when you think (laughs) of it
0: most of the foreigners that I've spoken to who have been here for a while they're all like I've been here and then they count and they're like oh my god I can't believe I've been here so long right like I don't know it's just weird how that happens like you just I don't know because when I first moved out here I was only
1: planning on staying here for um for like a year and now it's like you know fast forward seven years and it's (laughs) really scary actually because time really does fly
0: it does a lot of people say that Taiwan is like time stopping place where you come here and you think like oh actually no it's it's not been that long and then suddenly you're like how old am I like, what? Mm-hmm. When I came here, I was also only planning to be here for six months. So And um how long has it been? Five years. Oh my gosh. Five years. Oh my gosh. I keep telling everyone, yeah, but COVID doesn't count, so it's only been like three years, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was that's that's like that's <laughs> two. That's cheating. It doesn't yeah, yeah two yeah, COVID doesn't count. So like three years, you know? <laughs> to make myself feel better. Not that living here is a bad thing. I think it's just one of those things where I feel like, yeah, you're, you're just like, wow, I didn't realize I would spend so much of my life. But yeah, you definitely have a very complicated answer to that question. <laughs> where are you yeah, from? so I really hate that question. Yeah. Which is fair. I feel like it's one of those things where most of us don't have a short answer. Like we usually have two answers. One is like the really simple one. We don't want to explain it. And there's one which is like what you just basically said, which is kind of your, like your life story. I'm um, really interesting
1: because like sometimes when I'm tired or like I'm feeling lazy and when people ask me, you know, I'll just say, oh, I'm German because, you know, I have a German passport and my mom. Right and dad are from Germany but then they start talking about these
0: places like in Germany and I'm like mm, <laughs> I've never been to these places you know I don't know So, and I guess also they would say your accent's not German either mm. um, so probably yeah I can imagine it's one of those things where I had another interview with Jan. her story's also very complicated she has like an Australian accent but she's half French half Taiwanese Oh wow! so it's okay. like if she she has the same thing as you if she only mentions one part everyone's like mm, that's not the whole story and you're mm-hmm. like oh fine I have to explain the whole story doesn't quite add up yeah yeah, so that's very confusing. So I appreciate you answering it, even though <laughs> it's a difficult question. I mean, that's why I'm here, right? That's kind of it. Yeah. So you've lived in many, many places. Um, how many languages do you speak? Um, I would say three and a half. So
1: I speak um, German, English, Mandarin, and a bit of French, although my French is really rusty, um, yeah, because I haven't been speaking it.
0: You spoke German with your parents at home? Yes. And then I'm guessing English at school um, and Mandarin. Where, when did you start learning that? Um, I started learning
1: Mandarin when my mom and dad moved to China, so So my mum and dad moved to China when I was 18 and I had just finished my A-levels and I wasn't really sure what to do with my life at the time and I really wanted to study performing arts but at the time I just got out of a really nasty relationship and my mum and dad were like well why don't you just come and join us in in Beijing for um, six months and study Chinese. So I did that and um, I did like Chinese somewhat but I didn't think at the time that it would be something or or become something that I'd want to study full-time so um, after those six months in Beijing I decided to move to Berlin because I wanted to pursue my own performing arts ambitions and even though London is like the theatre capital like I just felt like you know it would be nice to live in my home like a passport country Mm. and also London is really expensive you know especially as an artist Um, so I figured well maybe Berlin is a better option so I lived there for two years and I did the whole singing and theatre, musical theatre stuff, and then I kind of felt like, oh, it's it, it, you know, it's actually tough, and I don't know if I'm you know cut out to do it, like if I'm tough enough and if I'm thick-skinned enough. And then mm. I decided to go back to university, get a normal degree. So I um, applied to universities in London, and actually at the time I wanted to stay in Berlin, but because I did A levels, which is like the British um, secondary school um, education, mm-hmm. you know, like the um, high school diploma, that is not. Recommended. In Germany, so I wasn't able to go to university in Germany. So I decided to move back to the UK to just get my degree. So I studied Chinese language and international development studies oh. at uni. Yeah,
0: interesting. So it became a kind of a secondary path, I guess. Kind of, yes, actually it did.
1: Yeah, like it wasn't my first choice, but I think looking back, because I still sing and like singing is a huge part of my life, and I'm now training to become a vocal coach. Right. Um, sometimes I do wonder whether That it was the wrong decision. But now I'm like, well, you know, like there's no point in like thinking, well, you know, I wish I could have done things differently because that's just how things are now. And I'm, and I guess like when I, you know, looking back, I think right now I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and things happen for a reason.
0: I'm a strong believer of that too. I feel like every decision that you make and every experience that you have, even if it doesn't end up being, you know, the main path or the main thing that you do or, somehow everything ends up connecting you know i feel yeah. like every everything will you get something from every experience um and eventually you'll find that it still helps you in some way so i like things f- um, fall into place yeah. And, kind of, yeah and i feel like if you didn't have certain experiences a lot of things people will be like oh but that doesn't seem like a traditional path but actually you can still get something out of it that you didn't realize before so. yes yes yeah totally yeah. yeah and then so then you came to taiwan mm-hmm. what do you do in taiwan now well, now I am
1: a lecturer at um, a university here. Initially, um, I was hired to teach um, Chinese English translation, cross-cultural communication and English as a foreign language. But it kind of, I don't know, like right now, like um, I mainly teach English as a foreign language. I do teach one course um, in cross-cultural
0: communication, but the bulk of it is English language teaching. Mm. I feel like that's probably the main thing that students in Taiwan want and need the most probably is just basic language skills because so many of them are so afraid to use their English. Yes, yeah. And I
1: also think because um the um you know they're trying to make Taiwan bilingual by 2030 so I think there's a you know like a big demand for English teachers and mm. yeah. How do you find teaching older students? Okay, so I have taught in cram schools before, and I actually really enjoy that. Um, But I mainly taught one-to-one, like one-on-one classes. So university is a bit different. Like I kind of, well, you know, when I started this job, like I thought that you know the students would be really enthusiastic and proactive, but they're actually really passive. Yeah. And I think for many um, university students here, like by the time they start going to uni, like they're so burned out because yeah. the education system is so taxing, and they just cram a lot and study for exams. So once they start going to uni, like they're just a bit more like, okay, like you know, like I'm just here for fun, and I just want to have a good time, and mm. so they don't really study as hard, <laughs> I dare say. And also, like I teach a lot lot of students that are non English majors and they have
0: to take these compulsory English courses. Oh no. So that's super challenging sometimes. Mandatory classes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so they definitely don't have the motivation. I also feel like it's one of those things that I think is a real shame with the Taiwanese education system is that I would say in their like secondary education or like high school or they don't teach or they don't encourage students to think independently and to problem solve independently mm-hmm. and to be proactive. You mm-hmm. know, it's not something that's encouraged here. It's not like not you at know, all, no. If you question the teacher, it's like who who do you think you are? You know. Yes, yes. Whereas I feel like you know, back in Europe, we were always like the teacher would be like, challenge me, challenge me, oh, <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> yes, definitely. So yeah. I feel like that's also one of the things that's a shame about like university students is that a lot of people will think like like you said, you know, a lot of people go into university teaching university and thinking like oh they're going to be like you know their own person and they'll have lots of ideas and yeah and then they realize like oh wow it's so different in Taiwan that people don't have their own ideas and Mm -hmm. but not because they don't want to it's just I think it's just so trained in them to be like no you know stay quiet follow the rules and yeah yeah. and I also think like some of them have said to me that they're just really scared to speak up
1: because I think when they were little like younger like I think you know they used to have some teachers that would also like hit them you know when they got things wrong and I think so it's difficult to change that and to get them to not be scared yeah it takes a long time to get over that kind of trauma yeah
0: there's a big culture of not being wrong here a a very big fear um which again yeah fear always bad for creativity so and then in your free time what do you like to do so aside from working and teaching well i love
1: singing obviously (laughs) oh it's more you know the the love of my life and i sing pretty much every day um it's just singing and i just you know i started this like um teacher training course because I would like to work as a a singing teacher at some point and and also because I just want to learn more about um, about the voice how it works um, the anatomy of it and I just and like also like I want to keep working on my own singing skills and techniques so um, that takes up a lot of my time Um, I love performing but like right now like I'm not really performing that much because of COVID and also like I'm really busy with a singing teacher training course and also I you know I have a full-time job um, so that keeps me quite busy I love reading and books. I love doing hot yoga Bikram yoga even though it's really hot in Taiwan but you know I still kind of force myself to go to the studio where they heat up a room to like 40 degrees Celsius and then we just sit there and do yoga but um, yeah. Wait
0: so that's I actually don't know the difference in hot yoga and yoga it's just that they change the room temperature? Yes so they change the room temperature like
1: I think to like 40 degrees Celsius like so it's really hot and you sweat a lot but it feels so good and it's so like detoxing you know so like afterwards like after class you feel so good and rejuvenated and cleansed, <laughs> I don't know, it's just a great feeling. I've
0: never tried that, maybe I should try
1: <laughs> it. Um, it's in Dongman, like, yeah, like, if you want, we can go together sometime.
0: Yeah, mm. that'll be interesting because I've only ever done, like, normal, because there's so many kinds of yoga, you know, people are always like, I don't know, There's I don't even know the names, but there's so many kinds of yoga, and every time I hear a new one, I'm like, I don't know what it is, <laughs> I don't know if I should try it. So like, <laughs> That's the
1: only one I know, like, hot yoga and, well, big crumb yoga, it's called, cool, but yeah.
0: Cool, interesting. And back to your singing, Um, is there a specific age group you want to teach or are you just excited to just teach singing in general? Um, To be honest, like I think I'm just excited to teach
1: singing in general. You know, this might sound a bit ambitious, but I'm hoping to be able to teach professional singers Mm -hmm. um, because the singing technique that I'm training in is like a really healthy way of singing. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to promote like a really healthy, balanced, mixed voice. Right. Um, And I think many singers, even though they've gone through um, professional training because the voice is so common. Complex And we can't mm. actually see it. Like many voice teachers teach different, like um, differently. So they uh, might pass on things that might have worked for them. But it's difficult to impart that knowledge onto students. You know, for example, like if you say, oh, you know, just like sing from the top down to the bottom, like that might mean different things to different people. Right. right. And the, the technique that I'm training in is, you know, it's also about giving the, like giving singers the tools to find the right technique and the right way of doing it. Finding their own voice. Yes, of? yes, okay. yeah. And I think ultimately, so I think I would like to teach children as well. But I'm just a bit mindful because I don't want this to become like an English through song class, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: that that would definitely
1: happen. That was so. Um, yeah. So hopefully, professional singers. And I think I would also like, you know, like further down the line, I would like to offer workshops like to women to like help women find their own voice. Like to me, that's something that's really important. Like I'm really into women's empowerment. Yeah, that's something that I'm really passionate about.
0: And I feel. Like Like song and music is such a great way even if you're not you don't want to be a singer or you don't you know want to be a professional singer or maybe you don't want to specifically be a great singer but singing in general I feel like is such a great way to release certain emotions or you know express yourself or if you have a story to tell but you don't know how to tell it you know sometimes song lyrics can be the best way to express it so like, I think singing is very um, cathartic and very
1: therapeutic. And I guess also, like, when you know how to use your voice and once you find your voice, like, I think it's, you know, that can be really empowering. And I think especially for women, I you know, I feel like a lot of the time we're really scared of speaking up, speaking yeah. our minds, and, yeah, That's we'll amazing. see.
0: Watch this space. <laughs> yes, we'll definitely keep us updated yeah. in the future. We can help promote anything that you do. Yes. Yeah. 首先我问Kerson他来自哪里 之後就決定搬來台灣 有时候他如果很累不想回答这么多，他就会直接说自己是德国人。但这个时候对方就会开始提到德国的一些地方或者事情，然后他就会听不懂，所以只说自己是德国人也不是一个办法。Kirsten住过这么多国家，我问他会几种语言，他说三个半：英文、德文、中文，还有一点法文。不过他很久没有念法文了，所以不是很流利。在家里他跟爸爸妈妈是说德文他他在那裡做了很多戲劇、音樂劇等等類型的表演工作她现在还是有在唱歌而且在做声乐指导工作的筹备很多的選擇和經驗都會帶給我們某種收穫但他發現很多學生到了大學 Kirsten说也有学生跟他反映过他们不敢发言 他也很喜歡表演但最近因為疫情還有加上工作 他說他也喜歡閱讀還有Hot Yoga 我問他這個跟普通瑜伽有什麼不同我問他關於唱歌教學 听完Kirsten的背景，让我们接着去听听他的一些故事和分享。so now that everyone knows a little bit more about you, I want to dive more into your cultural background. So let's start with Germany. What do you remember from your time in Germany? Because you were really young, right? Yeah, um, so I went to kindergarten in Germany. For th-
1: In Germany, we start kindergarten at the age of three. And then I started um, primary school or um, elementary school in Germany. And I went to school there for one year. And I learned to read and write in German. And then we moved to the UK. Yeah, so I don't really remember that much. Um, I guess because when we lived in Germany, we lived with my grandparents and in a small village just outside of frankfurt to be honest I don't like I think I had a really beautiful childhood in germany um beautiful Christmases um Easter you know all that you know the um classic traditional yeah, German yeah, things, things. <laughs> Christmas market yes like my oh. auntie used to take me to the Frankfurt um Christmas market every year I love them um, yeah I prefer spending Christmas in Germany I don't know mm-hmm. it just brings back really um fond childhood memories and I mm-hmm. think Christmas is just a really beautiful you know period of time to to be in in um, continental Europe in general, I think, yeah. you know.
0: I agree. And uh, even in Holland, we all know of the German Christmas markets. Yeah. <laughs> like we, all, we used to take the train to Germany just to see the Christmas oh, really? markets. Yeah. And which one? Like, which one did you go to? Oh, my God, I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, whichever city is close. I think Hamburg is closer to Holland. We definitely didn't go to Berlin. Okay. No, I don't remember. But it was somewhere that wasn't too far. Mm-hmm. Cause, like, maybe Cologne or like... Oh, Maybe. Know. Maybe. Yeah, my geography is really bad. Okay. Well, I always blame <laughs> the fact that I went to international school so we didn't <laughs> learn any geography we just learned like global geography which doesn't help so yeah my geography is really bad (laughs) my excuse um yeah the Christmas markets are amazing um so I guess for you it's kind of like gives you warm childhood feelings of Germany yeah in what ways do you feel German because I feel like you left Germany so young um and even though your parents are German you know you grew up in a British environment basically in what ways do you feel German do you feel German Uh, um I do yeah (laughs) like you know in some ways I feel very German like I'm very okay like I'm
1: very anal about hygiene like you know I like so I clean my house regularly and sometimes like you know when I have male visitors like friends not like boyfriends or lovers but like friends and they come to my house and they use my bathroom you know like um, I have this urge to like ask them to sit down but then I'm like no I can't do that like stop being so anal because this is like a German thing like Germans are really clean like they love and like many German men actually sit down when they pee (laughs) really? (laughs) Well some of them do yeah because they think it's um, well not all of them but like some of them do and um, yeah so that's like one thing where I'm quite German Um I think and this is interesting because I think in that aspect I can be more like British like or like more high context so when I'm like in a social setting I, um, I am not that direct or blunt as mm-hmm. a German person would be like a typical German person like I tend to be more like polite and more like indirect like mm-hmm. a British person yeah. right so like if I ask a German friend hey do you like this dress? Like, they'll say, no.
0: You know, it's ugly.
1: (laughs) But, like, if I ask a British friend, they'll just say something like, oh, it's not bad, but I really like the other dress. You know, like, it's more indirect. So I think in that regard, I'm probably more British. And I also feel like, um, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. Like, that's kind of my motto. (laughs) Um, But, like, you know, like, in situations where it's important to be honest, I will be honest. And I can be quite, you know, German, be like, hey, let's cut the bs and just mm. you know get straight to the point yeah but like one thing that really resonates with me about british culture is this idea of live and let live mm-hmm. like i really don't like it when people you know talk badly about others or mind other um, other people's business and mm-hmm. i feel like that's actually quite a german trait like germans really? are very like oh like look at that person like look at what they're doing like that you know that dress is so like da, 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 da. and i don't know Like i feel like british people are more like So what? You know, live and Mm. let live. And that's something I really like about living in England. Like, I feel like people are more accepting Mm. people that are different.
0: Interesting. I I never would have um, assumed that or guessed that about Germans. I guess I feel like British people have something to say about themselves. I feel like they're always talking about England they're always like oh the British government or oh English this English weather but it's true I don't think that I don't think I hear them ever say like look at that person on the bus or something you know like they no, don't really right? say that no, no. yeah no they don't do that like it's Which is yeah. interesting I've mm. never yeah I never noticed that before technically I'm you know English so yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> technically didn't but didn't yeah third that, culture yeah. kids
0: right like. I've actually been trying to bring my British accent back I'm not going to do it now because it's too weird to switch halfway through the interview but I've been trying to practice my British accent more because I'm like people are so shocked when they hear that I'm English and so many people assume that I'm American and I'm like, I probably should try and bring back my English version. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when I hang out with my friends I'm like, alright guys, i have got to practice my English accent so, you know, we're going to speak English <laughs> from now <on." laughs> So if you hear me speak English, you know, that's why. <laughs> people are like, why, why are you switching accents? Well, I guess that's like the um, international
1: school accent, right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like a very distinct accent. It's yeah. kind of American,
0: but... Not quite. Yeah, Yeah. it's confusing. (laughs) (laughs) So then you moved to Switzerland. What was that like? How did you feel when you were there? That was quite awful, actually, because I was
1: so young at the time. So when we moved from Germany to the UK, that was such a culture shock for me because I was really young. I was used to living with my grandparents in the same house. And um, having to leave my German home was actually really difficult for me at the time. Like my dad likes to tell this story where, um, you know, like when he told me that we were going to move to the UK, I got really upset and I just cried. Aww. And then that evening, I was sitting in the bathtub, you know, like I'm um, having my daily evening bath, and then I called my dad and I said, "Hey, dad, like I've got to tell you something." And and um and he was like, "What?" And I said do you know what like I've made up my mind I've decided to um, move um, with you to um, to the UK and he was like okay well I'm you know I'm I'm really glad to hear it I said yeah that's my final decision you know (laughs) so when we moved to England like that was quite difficult but I really liked my school I really liked my friends like I you know it was quite easy to settle Mm -hmm. and feel like at home to settle in and feel at home you know I was pulled out of that environment again um, a year and a half later that was quite difficult and I really did not want to leave and then we moved from London to the tiny village in Zurich and because I speak German right so my mum and dad said oh you know like there's no need for you to go to an international school like you can just go to like the local school but like even though they speak Swiss German there which is completely different to normal German and that was really difficult because I was the only foreigner and also having to switch from normal German to Swiss German just felt felt really strange. Mm-hmm. It um, really is like a different language almost and to like a German person it just sounds wrong you know like it's wrong incorrect German I don't Mm. know Um, so that was difficult and then also um, I got bullied in school for being a foreigner and they would call me things like a Nazi and it was Actually, like, there was also a lot of physical violence. Like, the boys would beat me up and wait outside the classroom for me. Oh, my God. And there was a situation where two boys beat me up in a car. Like, I know it sounds really dramatic, and it actually was at the time. That's
0: terrible. Like, it was really
1: awful. And um, uh, so a year and a half um, of having of living in Switzerland, my mum and dad decided to leave because of me, basically, mm. because the situation got really unbearable. And, and I guess also, like, at the time, I felt so ashamed of this. Like, I didn't tell anyone... Or, all my parents for a long time because I just felt really ashamed and it wasn't until we went on holiday to Italy that I kind of broke down and told my mum and she was you know she was in shock she just could not believe it and she tried to talk to my teacher she tried to you know talk to the parents but nothing really worked mm-hmm. so In the end, because we were so unhappy there, my mum wasn't happy there, my brother wasn't happy there, nor was my sister, um, we just decided to move back to London, and that's what we did. And I think, like, I'm really grateful that we moved back, but, like, sometimes I do wonder, like, is this, like, a pattern that we just pack our bags and leave, like, once, you know, things get difficult, or, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know about you, but I feel like as a third culture kid, I kind of start, I don't know, I start to feel restless after a few Mm. years of having lived in the same place, and then I'm always, like maybe I should move somewhere else you know.
0: I think that's definitely um, a third culture kid thing Um, but before we continue that I just want to go back to um, the Switzerland thing. First of all I'm so sorry that you experienced that because honestly I think bullying is something that unfortunately in the world it's still a really really big problem and it's one of those things I was very very lucky in that the school that I went to we were first of all we were a small school so um, my class there were only there were 40 students in my year so it's like I feel like it's a very small school everyone knew each other everyone knew each other's parents it's like one of those communities where like there's not really any bullying because I feel like everyone's just there's only 40 of us you know so we kind of just stuck together so I was very very lucky but I've seen so many things especially now when you have like online as well you know cyber bullying mm-hmm. it's even more of a problem and I think like you were saying just now when you finally had the courage to tell your parents and then they try to talk to the school but I think so many teachers in schools are also not equipped with the skills to deal with it I mean Mm. they should be because this is such a big problem that I feel like schools should know how to deal with it you know but at the same time they don't and especially teachers I feel like um, a lot of teachers are just like oh well um, I don't know just don't talk to that person you know like oh they'll just go away but they don't you know that's the problem they don't go away
1: yeah and I think especially back in the 90s so this is back in the 90s like like there wasn't much awareness you know Mm. at all And I think what was also really problematic was that people, you know, said to me, oh, you know, um, like, I think the reason why these boys beat you up is because secretly they're in love with you, you know, you know, and like, that's such such a messed up message to be giving to like a young girl, you know, I'm just like, how does that even make sense? There's a
0: difference between like, you know, fun teasing and bullying, you know, it's like, you can tell (laughs) we're not that dumb, you know, it's not like, oh, he punched me in the face, he loves me. no, no. No, not yeah. stop spreading that. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. And even if it is true, let's say it is true. Let's say all those boys that beat you up loved you. Well, that's not good either. No, you know, it's like, a, you know, a
1: healthy relationship model. No, I'd say. we like, should be
0: teaching them if they're in love with you, how to show you they're in love with you. And, you know, like, whatever the answer is, either way, it doesn't make sense. And yeah, I think that's just a terrible reason. Terrible thing to hear as well. If you're, if you're the victim. Yeah. Yeah. And did you think that telling your parents did still help, though? I guess it
1: did help in the sense, you know, because that was a huge factor, you know, in their decision to move back to the UK. So I think it did help, but I didn't feel like they really knew how to deal with the situation either. Like Mm. they didn't really know how to confront the parents or how to really put pressure like on the school. Or the um, authorities to change anything, but I guess you know in the end it like um, things worked out for the best, and I'm really glad that we moved back to London. Yeah. That we didn't stay <laughs> in this tiny village. So I guess um, you know like things worked out for the best, and and I guess you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Like in the long term, right? Yeah,
0: I think in general though, if it's um, not that I have any kids or you know I have the right to teach parents how to raise their kids, but I feel like for any international kids or any third culture kids. They cannot be in an environment like that that is so small, local, with no internationals. Mm-hmm. I feel like international kids and third-culture kids, they really need that international environment. Yeah, and they really do, yeah. Yeah, because we do, we just stand out. I mean, if I was put in a Taiwanese school when I was younger, I don't think I would like it either. Because you just, yeah, we don't feel like we fit in there. Yeah. The only place that feels slightly more comfortable and more at home is something that's international. Right, Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's one thing I can say is that, yeah, I think international kids need an international environment. Don't put them in these local rural areas where no one understands them. But I mean, I you know, and I think that's what's so
1: fascinating about third culture kids because I think we have this ability to like blend in and, mm-hmm. you know, adapt to these different situations and environments. But my closest friends, like the friends where, you know, where I, I really feel at home, like they're all um, third culture kids. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so interesting. Like,
0: it is. Like we've got this bond or this like yeah. Connection, like, And I feel like it doesn't matter what country you're in. If you hear that someone's a third culture kid, it's like this instant like, oh, we're the same. Or like, oh, you get me. <laughs> yeah, 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 you get me. <laughs> exactly. not even have to say, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think, like you said, so can, now we can go back to what you're saying about how moving around impacted your personality so can you tell us a bit more about you were saying how like one of the things is that it helps it makes you feel more restless or you feel the urge to like leave after a few years or when things get tough you decide you want to leave yeah um, Is that the main thing or are there other impacts too?
1: Um, I mean, I think there are positive and negative impacts, definitely. And um, I think to like non-third culture kids or um, outsiders, like they often tend to think, oh, like being a third culture kid is amazing. Like you've got all these like privileges and which is definitely true. And I, and you know, I am really grateful for um, all the experiences that I've had for having lived in so many different countries For having friends all over the world, um, you know, being able to speak three and a half languages. Like, I think that's pretty amazing. But, you know, it does come with a sacrifice. And I feel so unsettled. Like, I feel like I don't have a home. Mm -hmm. And even though I'm, like, in my mid-30s now, that's a question that, you know, I still struggle with. Like, Mm -hmm. where is home? And I feel like home is everywhere and nowhere. Yeah, You know, if I was traveling somewhere else and if the plane were to crash, you know, in Timbuktu... Like I know I'd be okay and I'd make, you know, and I'd find my way around. But at the same time, it's also really sad because I really don't think that I have a home. And um, even though I'm not British, like I feel like London is a place that I could or would kind of call my home somewhat because I've spent my most formative years there. And I think also what I like about London is that it's a very international city. So even if you don't have a home or you're not um, 100% British, it doesn't matter because it's just a very international city but even with london like i feel like after a few years like i always feel like oh like i want to travel somewhere else like i just get kind of you know like this um wanderlust just like yes. takes over and then i'm like okay i'll just book a flight and go to that to this place or yeah. that place and yeah so it's difficult and I think this has been a cause of depression as well in my life where I've really had these, like, times where, where I doubted myself. And I was like, well, where do I want to settle? Because it's like you've got this, like... Because on the one hand, you feel like you want to have a home, you want yeah. to have a family, you want love and intimacy, and you want stability. to belong, stability. Yeah,
0: belonging, yeah.
1: But on the other hand, that's also scary. Like, yeah. you <laughs> want to just pack your bags and leave. Like, when people <laughs> get too close, you're like, oh my gosh, this is scary.
0: Yeah. And then
1: you're just, like, impulse or, like urge to leave and that's really difficult and I think um, even now like I'm still working on this I'm, you know I'm still a work in progress I'm still trying to figure
0: out where home is there must be a word from it I feel like someone must have done research on third culture kids and if they have there must be a a term this is a a really is like a syndrome you know it's like we all go through it where we're like well where is home I don't know like this could be my home that could be my home like I always whenever people ask me that I always just say well wherever I am right now wherever my suitcases are that's my home right yeah Um, and that literally is because I mean people ask me that all the time they're like oh would you go back to Holland and I'm like no because there's none of my family's there there's nothing for me there they're like oh would you go to England and I'm like well no because <laughs> I didn't grow up there you know I spent yeah. four years there and then they're like oh well your dad's in France is France your home and I'm like no I've no, never lived there it's like there's literally yeah it's the same thing where you're like and I have the same thing where after a few years I'm like I'm too settled I'm too comfortable I know you know I have my fixed hairdresser I have my fixed you <laughs> know <laughs> you're like what are you that yeah but at the same time when i go somewhere new i'm like oh no i want my stability i need to Mm -hmm. find a fixed you know hairdresser hairdresser. places that you go (laughs) to doctor dentist you know it's such an internal battle i think that we all have where we're like do we settle do we not um, and actually, I, I recently listened to an interesting podcast um, interview where everyone asks them. It's a, a married couple, and they were talking about, they have a family and everything. And they were talking about how everyone asks them, So, where are you going to settle? Are you going to settle? They're actually Americans. So, for them, it's not like. The whole world is their, you know, choice. But they're talking about different parts of the U.S. So they're like, where would you settle in the U.S.? And they were like, you know, we used to really like get really stuck with that question, being like, should we live on the East Coast, the West Coast, or you know, whatever areas? I don't know the U.S. geography either. <laughs> but um and then at one point, um, she said like, one day we kind of just realized why do we have to settle anywhere? You know, let's say we choose. Um, LA this year maybe in a few years we'll decide no we want to go to New York so then we'll move to New York so like she was saying how there's such a idea around you know we have to find somewhere to settle down and you know that has to be our future and our home Mm. but at the same time it's like well we don't have to why why do we have to do that you know there's nothing stopping us from moving again in the future yeah Um, and when I heard that I was like wow that makes me feel better (laughs) you know that's liberating to be like oh I don't have to you know, I don't have to pick somewhere where it's like, you know, when you get to a certain age, it's like, all right, you got to that age, you got to pick somewhere now. I feel like I don't think I could ever do that. So yeah, that interview, when I heard it, I was like, wow, okay, that's an option too, not settling. (laughs) So yeah, but I guess like, I also
1: think that like, you know, this idea of settling, like I think, you know, it grounds a lot of people, Mm. because life is scary. And like having to find your purpose and your path. And I think having a place that you call home gives many people a sense of purpose and it grounds mm. them and like when you don't have that like I think it's kind of more difficult to feel yeah. to feel grounded and I think many people find that weird because maybe perhaps in some way or another they feel threatened by it or like mm.
0: yeah. yeah I think I remember in the, the lady in the interview she also mentioned that Um, But I think also the difference was that they're a family. So, you know, they have each other. They're a married couple and they have their kids. And for them, Mm. that is their stability. Mm -hmm. But for us, when we're, you know, we're not married yet, we don't have kids, we definitely crave that connection and stability Mm -hmm. more. For me personally, at least, I feel like if I can find someone who feels the same way that I do about needing that, like, balance of some stability, but also having not being too settled somewhere... That can be your your main home, mm-hmm. your main yeah. base. But I agree, it's definitely something that's yeah, it's very complicated, and there I think there's no correct answer. No, <laughs> no there isn't. No, so we all just have to find what we are most comfortable and happy with. So yeah. So then after that, you mentioned that you went on exchange to China. Yes. Um, and aside from studying, what else did you get to do while you were in Beijing? Oh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: to be honest, I don't think I did much studying when I was out there. Um, like I barely just like passed my exams. I, I mean, I you know, I did okay, but um, I just had a great time socializing. I was very proactive in the Beijing theater community, like the um, international amateur theater community, which was great. I was also like, I had lots of people that, um, friends that worked for NGOs. And at the time I, um, I got into women, rights and um, I developed a strong interest in that so I remember I think this was in 2010 or 2011 um, it was the um, um, centennial of International Women's Day so I organized um, a theatre fundraiser together with two other women with my theatre friends and um, we donated the proceeds of the tickets to an NGO called Wokai and they I don't think they exist anymore but at the time they gave microfinance credits to women in rural China that were looking to start their own businesses
0: that's amazing
1: yeah so we did that and that was actually i think like one of the happiest days of my life because um we made so much more money than we had you know thought we would and then we were able to fund like eight women start their own businesses and that was i don't know that that, you know that just felt really great like being able to combine all of my passions like um, cross-cultural communication using my languages using performance and then doing something Um, strongly believe in
0: Mm. that's amazing and i think that kind of goes back to what what we were saying earlier about how you could have different paths and they all you know if you didn't have your theater background your performing background that would have been difficult and if you didn't have your language background it also would have been difficult so everything just came together yeah um that's amazing is there anything else you remember from your time in beijing so at the time I worked for this
1: manager um, like I think he won like you know like a Chinese singing contest in the 80s or 90s like I don't know <laughs> but anyway so um, I worked for him and I, and I sang in hotel bars and then um, at the time he was managing this Chinese pop band called the Five Continents you know so he asked me to join the band and um, I had to represent um, Europe so I had mm. to be the singer from Europe um, I did that um, so I did like a couple of performances with them and you know this guy was dead he was dead serious about like making me a pop star in China and he was like you know you should drop out of your degree so we can do this properly and you know then I did think about it but I was like well maybe this is not a good idea and also like what am I going to tell my parents you know hey hey, dad like you know I've decided to drop out of uni to become a pop star in China and we had to sing in Chinese but the thing is like so we had these performances on like um, TV as well and we just mimed we didn't actually get to sing and I didn't even get to mime to my own voice like I had to like dub or mime to this other girl's voice like she was from Spain because they had a European singer from Spain and she ended up leaving the band so they were looking for, for a replacement from Europe which okay. was me so whenever I got on stage you know I had to um, introduce myself as Ke Lee because before I had a really old-fashioned Chinese name and this guy was like, "No." So my Ch- <laughs> so 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 my Chinese name was Kong Ting, like Kong Zi, and then Ting. Oh, okay. And then um, just um, before we were about to go on stage on TV, he, so this guy asked me, "Like, so what's your Chinese name?" And I said, "Oh, Kong Ting." And he said, "Bushing, <laughs> you can't use that name." And then he said. Okay, from now on, your name is Ke So that's where my name, my um, Chinese name comes from. I didn't from. know that. I thought you came up with it yourself. No, no oh. that's that manager. He said, um, Your name's Ke <laughs> And then, and then he said, you're going to go on stage and say, 我是可力,我是西班牙人. <laughs> and then he said, and then you're going to say, no. And I
0: was like, oh my God. But, um, oh, so I did that. <laughs> I know, it's so cringe. <laughs> also because yeah. it's like, I mean, in China, they probably don't know that you're not Spanish. But like, if there's anywhere in the audience who is Spanish or something, they'll know. like <laughs> <laughs> Like, Spanish? Like. <laughs> That's so interesting, though. What an experience. And I mean, he gave you something, you know, because he gave you your Chinese name. Right. <laughs> because my Chinese name is Curly. Like. It's a cute name, though. I honestly thought you came up with a. No, it, so. no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there's a story behind my name. Yeah.
0: So interesting. So approaching the end of the interview, I'm going to ask you the same questions that I ask all my interviewees. Um, The first one is because I feel like, as you mentioned, third culture kids, we often learn a lot of languages. Um, What would be your main tip for someone who's learning a new language? Okay, um, uh, you know, and I keep
1: saying this to my students and I can't emphasize it often enough, but I think it's really important when you learn a language that you find something about that language that you love and um, that sparks joy, you know? And because if you're just learning it for the grades or to please someone else or because you think it, you know, it will look good on your CV, you're not going to persevere because that's a key ingredient for becoming really good at a language. You have to make it a part of your everyday life. And even if it's only five to 10 minutes. Um, And that could be like a podcast or a Netflix show, whatever makes you happy. And I think um, that's really important. So um, make it a part of your everyday life and do it because there's something about that culture or that language that you love. Yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah.
0: I think that's great advice. Yeah, I agree. I think you have to have the right motivation. So find something that you love in that language to help keep you motivated. I think that's a great tip. And the last question is, if you had one message to share with the audience, what would it be? (laughs) Anything, whatever, like, I don't know, if if you had one thing you could say. I mean, I don't have that many listeners, but, like, imagine you could say one thing to the world. Um, Now, I
1: think home, we have to find home within us, because even though we think that having a stable home and... We attach home to a place. I think at the end of the day, we have to find home and that peace, that sense of peace that comes with it within us. And I think once we do find it, like I'm not saying, you know, I'm there yet. Like, (laughs) you know, I'm still a work in progress. But um, I think once we've reached a point where we feel settled and at home, with us then it doesn't really matter where you live and you can live and move to like the west coast or the east coast <laughs> like wherever you know your your heart desires and yeah um,
0: i think that's beautiful home you have to find the home within you first yeah i love that i guess it's kind of similar to the idea that you know you have to love yourself first so yeah i agree i think that's something that Hopefully everyone can find, and it's not easy, it's not an easy process, we know that from personal experience. But yeah, I think if we can get there, then it definitely will help, um, and help a lot of people. So yeah, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Lydia. thank you so much for having me here today. (laughs) 很多细节他不太记得，但他记得那时候的生活很美好、很幸福。那时候家里是跟爷爷奶奶一起住，然后他还记得以前圣诞节会去逛圣诞市场，还有复活节，很多很棒的回忆，他觉得很开心。因为他很小就离开了德国，我问他有没有哪方面觉得自己很像德国人。他說有一些方面自己很像大家印象中的德國人 例如他非常爱干净, 他觉得另外一个差别就是德国人比较喜欢观察和评论别人，而英国人反而比较不会这样做。接着，Kirsten搬到了瑞士，我问他那是什么样的感觉？他说其实他在瑞士的时候不是很快乐。他说从德国搬去英国的时候，他很难过，也哭了很久。但是到了英國,他很喜歡他的學校和同學們 在那個學校他覺得自己很像一個外人直到他們有一天去度假他才崩潰的跟他爸媽說出這一切他媽媽很驚訝也很心疼很多老师和学校不是不想帮忙就算今天這是事實但是我认为只要是有国际背景或是第三文化儿童的小孩 Kirsten也補充說像我們這種擁有國際背景的小孩 他也很珍惜他擁有的这些经验和机会可是想想 我们会很渴望一个固定的家，我们会想要有固定的朋友圈、固定的生活。可是同时，当我们发现自己在一个地方太安稳，我们就会开始紧张，觉得该离开了，该换个环境。听起来很奇怪，但的确非常多人会遇到这种忐忑的心情。后来，Kirsten到了北京当交换学生，除了读书，我问他有没有遇到什么比较特别的经验。她说其实她那时候很少在读书他後來有加入一段時間參加了一些電視上的表演而且當時他是代替另外一個外國人團員你一定要讓它成為生活的一部分除了可以更了解第三五文化儿童还学到常常搬家对一个人的影响 Lydia Languages I really enjoyed my conversation with Kirsten today. It was great to share our thoughts on growing up internationally and how this affected our sense of self. I'm also really grateful that she was willing to talk to us about being bullied and how she bravely told her parents and got herself out of the situation. It was also great to hear about how she almost became a pop star in China. And finally, her kind message to everyone, reminding us to find our inner home and inner peace. I hope that everyone can find it in yourselves. If you also enjoyed this interview in the podcast in general, it would mean so much to me if you could give us a 5-star rating and follow me on social media. Teacher Lydia underscore languages. Your comments and feedback help to keep me motivated, so please don't be shy. Thanks for listening and I hope you have a wonderful week. I'll see you next time.